Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Monday, September the 25th, 2023. It is currently 10.02 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. Well, earlier today, earlier this kind of afternoon, I, I guess it was afternoon, I don't remember the exact time, but Earlier today, that would be an accurate statement, I did a broadcast on our, in our ongoing series on law and gospel. It was a great idea, but it didn't turn out exactly as I had planned. It, it, we had a few problems that kind of, that kind of showed up in the middle of the broadcast. One, we thought we had a report of someone having some audio problems, that the audio was cutting in or out. And the only problem is I was live on the air. So trying to trying to figure out what was going on, what wasn't happening, was it happening on all platforms? That that caused a little bit of like, I'm trying to solve the problem, but I'm also trying to do review audio and I'm also trying to talk. So I, I wasn't super happy with how that all turned out. And... We have kind of, we've kind of developed a, a problem right now in this series. And it's really, it's, it's no one's fault. It's just the reality of how, I guess you could say, talk radio works. All right. So for, for everyone who knows, we've been in this series on law and gospel since October of 2022. We're, we're fast approaching a year in this series on law and gospel, well over a hundred hours of teaching. I hope it's been beneficial. We've covered so much. Remember, we we are using the book God's No, God's Yes by C.F.W. Walther. In the book, he has 25 theses on the, the subject of the proper distinction between law and gospel. We covered about 11 or 12 of those. I felt like I lost the audience. So then I, I, I kind of hit pause, like, what do I do? What do I do? Then I noticed that issues ETC, issues ETC, a Lutheran radio program that also is a podcast, they were doing their own series on the proper distinction between law and gospel. And what were they using? God's No and God's Yes by C.F.W. Uh, C. Yeah, C.F.W. Walther. For some reason, all of a sudden, I thought, <laughs> I was like, I, I've been getting these letters wrong all of this time. C.F.W. Walther. And they're working through the exact same 25 theses. So I thought, you know what? We'll take their discussion about these theses, thesis number one, thesis number two, thesis number three, and we will utilize that, review it, and this will serve as a way to kind of redo what we've done, get us back to where we were, and it will be interesting at a another discussion on these 25 theses. It will be beneficial. It will be helpful. And it started off very promising. And I think that at least the first maybe 10, maybe even 15 episodes and this law and gospel redo, I think were very beneficial. But then we started noticing kind of a problem. All right. Now, Issues ETC, as I have stated, is a talk radio program, meaning they have commercials and those commercials are, let's just say, very frequent, right? At times it can become almost irritating. So they break their discussion on whatever thesis they're covering into these very small segments because they come in from a commercial, they come out of a commercial. 
boom, they do the segment, then they go into a commercial, they come out of a commercial, go back to uh, the segment. And it's, it's really broken up and choppy. Well, for me, it, I thought, well, it would be great to just take these small segments and then we review the small segments, right? Because it'll make the episodes a little smaller. It will give you just maybe one or two things to retain. So I, I could see the benefit early on, but as we've gotten further and further into this, I don't want to be too critical. Some of the segments are just not that good. They don't really say much of anything. They're in a hurry because they know they've got a clock there going, okay, we only got seven minutes in this segment. And then sometimes they'll say, okay, with 30 seconds left or with one minute left, give me the answer to this. And you're like, oh my goodness, this is just... This, this is not good. So, so many times when we're done reviewing a segment, I'm kind of left going, uh, <laughs> well, ladies and gentlemen, that, uh, that, well, that concludes our broadcast and it feels like something is missing. And I hate that. Um, but that, that, hey, look, that, part of the problem is me because remember, I, when we do audio review, remember, I have a, a hard and fast rule here on the Theology Central podcast. I don't listen to the audio we're going to review first. I know every other podcast in the world would never do that, but I like this to be more like real-time reaction, real-time analysis, real-time, you know, criticizing or praising or agreeing or disagreeing. But it's like, it's, again, I want that feeling that you're just sitting down with me, we're listening to it together, and then I'm pausing it and we're talking about it, and then I'm unpausing it, and we're just having a, a good conversation. So in some ways, that, that makes for much more interesting listening, but it can also lead lead, lead to if I can speak correctly, it also leads, almost started laughing at myself. We, we almost get, sometimes it leads to those awkward moments where I'm kind of like, well, uh, Hey, hey, one time, one time I, I was outside playing and, and I lived in Buffalo Gap, Texas and the train tracks was close to my house and I hopped a train. You, you want to hear that story? Hey, 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 one time when, when I was security forces and, and, uh, at Offutt Air Force Base, we went, we did ghost hunting underneath these tunnels underneath the Air Force Base. Like, like, like I just started telling it, like, it almost feels like I just need a random story about something because it's kind of like, I don't know what else to say. They didn't really give me anything. We've done some sermon reviews where that happened. And I'm like, uh, give me something here, right? So uh, I, it's it's kind of frustrating. But because that happened earlier today, there's just no way I can just say, well, let's call it a night, right? Let's just, I feel like I have to turn the microphone on at, you know, 10 p.m. at night and try to try to do something. But guess what? All I can do is we can just move to the next segment, right? But the next segment, it could be just as bad as the first segment. So I don't really know what to expect. So like, I'm thinking this is going to turn, this segment's going to make up for the last segment, but this segment could be worse than the last. Who knows? All I know is I, I'm really, really hoping to get at least a thesis number 11 or 12, and then we're just going to abandon their, I guess I will keep listening to their audio. And then what we will do at that point is I'll just listen, and if there's a segment, I'll just mark the segment and say, I'm just going to use that segment and not and not try to work through 
an entire episode in these little segments. I think that will be ben- beneficial. I know it goes again. I said it's a hard and fast rule. I guess I will have to break the rule there, but I think that's the only thing that would be beneficial at that point in time uh, because it, it, this, it, it gets a little frustrating. Now, some of you seem to have liked this idea. Some of you seem indifferent and other of you other uh, other of you have absolutely just d- not not enjoyed it but it's hey you, you make a decision you do the best you can so are you with me this evening are you are you ready to at least see what happens in the next next segment now in the first segment they introduce thesis number 8 again god's no and god's yes the proper distinction between law and gospel by C.F.W. Walther. Again, I can't review everything we've done in this series. It's over a hundred hours of teaching. Okay, so so when you get ready to introduce a new ep- a new you know episode, how much do you review when you have a hundred plus hours of content before this? But I will review this thesis number eight and the fourth place. The word of God is not rightly divided when the law is preached to those who are already in terror on account of their sins or the gospel to those who live securely in their sins. Now, this one seems to be the most simple, straightforward thesis of all of them, maybe. It's, it's pretty simple. If you see someone and you, they, they acknowledge, I'm a sinner, I'm guilty, I know what I did, it's my fault, I'm embarrassed, I'm humiliated, I'm broken over it, they don't need to hear any more law. They don't need to hear what well, you need to do this and you should do this and you need to do this and you need to do this and giving you 15 and giving them 15 things to do or, or pounding or, or, or compounding their guilt or, or, or sp- spending more time yelling and rebuking at them. What they need when they're broken and they're uh, uh, humiliated and in terror over their sin, they just need to hear the gospel. Christ died for sinners. Christ paid for your sin. His blood will wash away your sin. His grace is greater than your sin. Trust in him and your sins are forgiven. In him, you are perfect and holy because his perfect righteousness is imputed to you by faith alone, apart from works. Just the gospel. Now, I know some of that, that makes people nervous. So they, that's antinomianism. No, that's called gospel. Okay, they're broken. They're, they, they just need the gospel. But at the same time, you do, this is very important. You do not preach the law to those who are in terror and you do not preach the gospel to those who live securely in their sins. Someone is like, I'm sinning and I don't care and I don't feel bad and I don't feel guilty. And then they don't get the gospel. They need to hear the law. It's pretty simple. It's pretty straightforward, right? It really is. So I guess that they know, I did this, I hate to say this, they know they have to fill up and I guess, technically a full hour, right? A full hour, but they have to bring in their commercials. And I I don't, maybe they don't realize they don't really have a lot to say about this thesis. So they're, they've, because the first segment was so short, it was kind of like, really, that's it. Now they did give us some important scripture, which I was tempted to just start taking the scripture apart. But we, uh, just so that to remind you, they give us 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 8 through 10, Isaiah 61, 1 through 3, and then probably the most important passage they gave us. Probably the most important is Luke chapter 7. I, I need to give you the entire reference here. Luke chapter 7. So I've got to grab my Bible here. Luke chapter 7. 
This is the one I really wanted to take apart. Luke chapter 7. And they, they wanted you to see Luke 7, verse 36 to 50. Luke 7, 36 to 50. So at the end of the episode, they didn't really work through the passage. They kind of summarized it. But I really wanted to, to go through it. But I, uh, I'm like, oh, well, I won't do that right now. But at some point, we may come back to it because it's a beautiful passage. And it shows someone who's broken, who knows their sin, and Christ doesn't give them the law. They give them the gospel. And then they also uh, quoted a John chapter 8, the woman caught in adultery, where you have a similar situation. A woman knows she's guilty. Christ is like, I don't condemn you. right? I don't condemn you because he gives them the gospel. So beautiful passages, but I, I don't know what else they're going to say in regards to this thesis. I really don't. So we're just going to find out together. I'm hoping this segment proves to be better than the first. Hopefully we have no technical glitches, right? That that always uh, causes problems, but hopefully we will not. And hopefully we can, re- I, I use the word, I don't, I'm not using this in a theological sense, but hopefully we can redeem and make up for what happened uh, earlier today. I, I, it wasn't as bad as I felt that it was. Right. I still think we accomplished something, but these segments are just making it more and more difficult because sometimes you're like, what? What was that? I don't know how long this segment's going to be. I'm thinking this has got to be a long segment. I'm thinking this has got to be at least 15 minutes long, at least 15. And so maybe it will give us something that we can grab onto and we can, uh, we can do something with. So are you ready? Back to issues ETC. Uh, again, you should subscribe to their podcast, issues ETC. They are working on their own series on the proper distinction between law and gospel. They're using the same book. Um, they're, well, they're using the lectures of C.F.W. Walther. I'm using a condensed version of his lectures called God's No and God's Yes to be as technical as, as possible there, as technically correct as possible. But let's do this. I'm ready. Let's see what, let's, I'm hoping. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be optimistic. I'm going to be optimistic. All right. Now, if you're new to this, please look up our series, Understanding Law and Gospel. I mean, we're almost a year into this series, over a hundred hours of teaching available to you for free, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. So look up our series, download every single episode. Okay. Download it today. All right. Here we go. You ready? Ladies and gentlemen, issues ETC. Thesis number eight. Proper distinction between law and gospel. Let's see what they have to say. He who veiled himself in a burning bush now veils his body in the bread and his blood in the wine of Holy Communion, the crucified and risen Christ who physically came to Thomas and the other disciples behind locked doors now physically comes to you. He who fed and nourished his disciples on the shore of Tiberias after his resurrection now feeds and nourishes you. He feeds and nourishes you not with bread and fish, but with his own body and his own blood. That's an excerpt from Life in Christ, rooted, woven, and grafted into God's story. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for July. You'll find it at our website, issuesetc.org, or call Concordia Publishing House, one 800 325 3040 and ask for life in Christ. Remember, it's a Lutheran program, so they have a very distinct view on the Lord's Supper. 
where the body and blood is present, but it's under it's under the bread and the wine, if that's a, a good way to describe it. It's not transubstantiation. I think it's consubstantiation, I think is the t- technical term that they use. Uh, so if you're not used or familiar with the Lutheran view on the Lord's Supper, by all means, you can do a little bit of research on that. I've talked about it here. And remember, I was a Lutheran, wanted to be a Lutheran pastor. So um, if you can, if you want to look that up, or you could order that book that they just mentioned, and you can rewind this and listen if you would so choose to get a book uh, somehow presenting the Lutheran understanding of it. All right, but let's let's continue. See, they're they're even they just came out of com- out of a commercial, and then they go right back into a commercial before they even get to the segment. I'm telling you, it's almost like they did not have enough content for this episode because it just seems like go to a commercial, come in and give another commercial. Okay. Hopefully we'll get to the content here. 800-325-3040. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. It's part eight of our series on the proper distinction between law and gospel. Walter, he has a few more examples of the way Christ practiced this proper application of long gospel. And he goes on to Zacchaeus. Yeah, I mean, he points out that, you know, that favorite story from Sunday school about uh, the wee little man who climbed up into the tree to see Jesus. And uh, let's be honest here. Zacchaeus was, by being a tax collector, he would have been regarded by the Jews as a bit of a renegade and certainly a thief and covetous. And yet, there's something in the man that has heard about Jesus and that has moved him to a bit of repentance, right? He climbs the tree because he wants to see Jesus as he passes by. Although I should add, it is really ironic in the Greek. You cannot tell whether it's because Jesus is short or Zacchaeus is short that Zacchaeus climbs the tree. The he is kind of ambiguous there, which one it was. So if yeah, he climbs the tree to see to see Jesus. And what does Jesus do? Does he say, Zacchaeus, you need to turn from your sins against the seventh man? No. Jesus knows this man has already got a broken heart and is troubled by his sins. And so Jesus just simply announces to him, hey, Zacchaeus, I'm going over to your place today. Come on, let's go. And when he gets there, he has this beautiful feast of salvation with him for which he is criticized. And yet look what happened because Jesus came there and 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 ate with him and gave him such joyous gospel. The man stands up and says, Lord, the half of my goods I'm going to give away to the poor. And if I've taken anything away from a person by lying about them, I'm going to make restitution fourfold. And it's really amazing, Walter says, if you look at it, the Lord didn't demand any of that of him. All that came just as a response to the gospel that Jesus had given him. When Jesus had said, you know, hey, this day salvation has come to this house. He's, he's a child of Abraham too. And so instead of having rebuke of this uh, man who was troubled by his sins, so troubled that he wanted to catch a glimpse of the Savior and probably didn't think himself worthy to actually meet him, he actually is, is lifted up to, the, to uh, the feast of salvation right there in his own house with Jesus present. Now, probably the most I, I get. I, I just was looking as, as they were talking again. This this whole way that they're breaking this down is somewhat interesting here. But I was just looking at the book, God's Knowing God's Yes, and I was thinking thesis number eight. Even though it's so simple, just to show you, he spent a lot of time. They, they did mention this at the beginning when C. F. W. Walther gave these lectures about these theses. Thesis number eight, he actually broke down into two lectures. 
two lectures, meaning that he thought that there was a lot of information here that he wanted the people to get. And so when I looked at my condensed version, this covers one, two, three, four, five, six pages. Six pages. So th- there's this, this is one of the longer theses as far as the book is concerned, even though it's so simple. So then I'm, I, I'm trying to process why. And I think maybe why uh, CFW Walther spent so much time with this. They haven't said yet. Maybe they will articulate their own theory, their own hypotheses. But mine is this is probably an area where we struggle when the proper – this is a, a situation where the proper distinction between law and gospel demands practical application. See, some of this is theoretical. It's kind of academic. It's it's textual. It's, it's hermeneutical, right? But then some of this is practical. So when you see someone, when do you hit them with the law? Boom. And when do you just give them the gospel? And I think this requires great wisdom great listening, great perception, where you really look at someone and, and you've, you've got to lay sometimes aside your own personal feelings or your own thoughts. Because sometimes we see someone and we're like, that person, I can't believe they did that. And we want to humiliate. We want to gossip. We want to slander. We want to tear down. Or because we so despise what they've done, we want to make sure they really feel bad. We re- we almost want to put a foot on their neck and go, come on, come on, beg for mercy because we really don't like it. So And, 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 and then sometimes because of an individual, we, we don't really want to confront them. I think this is just where it takes very much godly wisdom to go, that person needs the law. That per- and that, oh, that person doesn't need any law. They just need the gospel. They need to hear that Christ came and died for sinners. And by faith in him, your sin will be forgiven. And this person needs to hear God demands perfect righteousness and holiness. And you fall short in this and this and this, because this is what the word of God says. It says, thou shall not do this. And you need to hear the law. I think, I think that's probably the most difficult part of this thesis is knowing that when when do you do the right? When do you say the right thing? And it, and I don't think we're always going to do, we're not always going to get it right. But guess what? I think, I think maybe I could be wrong on this. You, you can, you can tell me your thought. I think the person, I, th- I think the person that it's, that, that it, it, we find it most difficult to accurately give either law or gospel to is the person that we look at when we look in the mirror. See, sometimes when I look in the mirror, I may tell myself, oh, I need the gospel. I need the gospel. I need the gospel. But in many cases, what we need is the law. And sometimes when we need the gospel, we give ourselves the law. I think sometimes we're not so good in the correct application of law and gospel to ourselves. I think we have a hard enough time with other people. Sometimes, but, but especially to ourselves, because I think sometimes I comfort myself with the gospel when I actually need to be broken by the law. And I think sometimes when I need the comfort of the gospel, I just keep reliving my sin and my failure and just feel miserable and horrible. And I want to give up and I'm in the pit of despair. What are, are you better at, disp- at handing out the law and the gospel correctly to others 
or are you, or how, how good are you at doing it for others and how good are you doing it for yourself? I think that's an interesting concept to think about. All right, let's see where they go with this. Walter then turns to the prodigal son and points out, come on, look at the guy. He's wandered into the far country. He's wasted all of his father's possessions. Well, I mean, even start at the beginning. He told his father, basically, I wish you were dead so that I had the inheritance. And the father's like, well, you don't have to wait for me to die here. Take what's yours and go. And he goes and wastes it all. His brother says that he wasted his living with prostitutes and sinners. You know, he was he was living the, a profligate life there in, in the far country. When he's confronted with the bankruptcy of that kind of a life, he knows he's got to go home to his father, and he's prepared to come home just as a servant and beg that his father might at least treat him that way, give him a place in the house, and he'll just continue to, as, as a servant. And what happens? He can't even get his confession out. The father is so overjoyed to see him, runs, throws his arms around him. Quick, quick, bring bring the robes, lay the fatted calf, bring a ring for his finger. I mean, that ring, that, that's one of the more fascinating pieces of that parable, right? Like the, the family credit card, if you will, the, the signet ring with which he could spend the rest of his brother's money. The father puts it on his hand. Not a word of rebuke, not a word of what have you done. He only has joy that this son of his who was dead is now alive again and who was lost and is now found. And then Walter sort of caps off this trajectory of how Jesus treats sinners who are broken and contrite with the thief on the cross. That's a real interesting study. If you compare all the Gospels, it's really clear that both thieves at first were reviling Christ, were making fun of him, were joining in the jeering. But something happened in that one thief who kept watching and listening and seeing, maybe maybe he could read. Maybe he read the you know the titular above Christ's head that said, "This is Jesus of Nazareth, the King of the Jews." He watched how Jesus suffered, what he did there on that cross, and finally, when his fellow thief continues with the railing, he rebukes him. Says, "Whoa, man! You and me, we're just getting what we deserve. This is what we deserve. But this man, he's done nothing wrong." And then. Turning to Jesus, he just begs, really the last moments of his life. He's begging Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And without hesitation, without a word of rebuke, without any kind of reproof of the man's misspent life, Jesus just says to him, today, today you are going to be with me in paradise, today. Walter summarizes then, By these infinites, the Lord shows what we are to do even today for a poor sinner who may have led a shameful life and has become crushed and contrite, full of terror because of his sins. In such a case, we should not lose any time in censuring and reproving him, but absolve and comfort him. That is the way to divide the law from the gospel. Now, that's a beautiful passage, a beautiful point. And I think there's some, again, practical applications on how you do this for others, how you do this for yourself. But I think it has practical applications for the church. When someone in the church has fallen in sin in a big way, scandalous way, and it's horrible and it's embarrassing. Of course, 
you know, everyone should just stop talking and gossiping and slandering because love should cover a multitude of sins. Not if it's a crime, not if it's illegal, okay, but you don't have to destroy people. You have to deal with the sin. But once the person is broken, right, sometimes churches love to take the the sinner, the scandalous one, and throw them in front of everyone so they give some kind of public confession, some kind of public humiliation. And I, I, I don't look, no, if they are a sinner and they admit their sin, then you announce the gospel. You absolve them of their sins based off the finished work of Jesus Christ. You, not because of what you've done, but because of what Christ has done. There is forgiveness. There's not a word of censor. There's not a uh, censure. There's not a word of correction. There's none of that. There is just the, the announcement of Christ has died for you. Your sins are forgiven. That's, that's the message, but people don't like, they feel like, no, you're getting, they're getting off too easy. That's not fair. You're like the older brother in the prodigal story. Now, wait, 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 no, no. I've been here, but I've been the good one the whole time. Why does this, this center gets to come walking back in and gets the feast and the, and the ring and the fatted cat. Why, why? And, and, and I know that there, because I think that the older brother is inside of us. Right. At the same time, the prodigal is very much inside of us. So I think that's an, an also another important thing that I know we feel like we're, we're, make, we're making it too easy. Well, the, that's the whole thing with the gospel. It goes against our, our ideas of what's fair or right. It tells the sinner, Christ took care of it all for you. By faith, you're forgiven. It's gone. It's removed as far as the east is from the west. And that is true of someone before they become saved. Supposed to be true of someone after they're saved. Sometimes we offer more gospel and more forgiveness and more grace to those who aren't saved than we do to those who are in the family of God. I think that's just a beautiful application. He points out in the apostles, a similar thing happens when Paul is jailed in Philippi. Remember, he had driven out the, the demon from the one girl that had been bringing profit to her owners, the slave girl. And as a result, their owners had the men arrested, beaten, thrown into jail. And at midnight, they're, they're in the jail. They're singing praise and, and thanks to God that they're accounted worthy to suffer for the name of Jesus. And when God responds with this mighty earthquake that looses all the bonds of the prisoners, remember the jailer thinks, oh man, I'm toast. I should just kill myself because that's going to be a lot better than what the Romans are going to do if they get hold of me. And so he's got the sword ready to go. And Paul says, whoa, stop. Don't don't harm yourself. And it's with trembling and fear that the man comes in, brings a light, comes into the cell where they are. And he, he is terrified. And he says, sirs, what must I do to be saved? And the answer they give him is, well, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved, you and your household. A beautiful proclamation of sheer gospel grace to the man. Didn't say anything about, well, you shouldn't have beaten us like that. You shouldn't have locked us up. Nothing. It's just like, oh, you want to know what you need? You're a terrified sinner who wants to know what you need to do to be saved. You just believe on Jesus. He'll take care of it all and be baptized in his name. Then Luther takes, I'm sorry, Walter takes up the example of Luther dealing with, in one case, a man... Spalatin, what sin had he fallen into or got himself mixed up into? Yeah, he had done something that he himself was having a really hard time forgiving. You see, he had a person that was under his uh, spiritual care, 
who he wanted to marry the stepmother of his deceased wife. And you shake your head. How did he ever come up with the idea that that might be okay? But he, he did. And he advised it was okay. And absolutely no question. This is contrary to the word of God. This is exactly the sin that Paul rebukes in 1 Corinthians 5, right? Um, and he says, look, not even the Gentiles commit fornication like this. And when the truth really dawns on Spalatin, he just is, he's inconsolable. He realizes, oh my gosh, I've endangered this man's salvation. I publicly humiliated the cause of the gospel. He just couldn't in any way pardon himself for this. And indeed, he shouldn't have pardoned himself, but people were sent to him to whom he must listen. And chief among them was Dr. Luther, who began writing to him a long letter. Now, look, CFW author thought it was important to his students in that day that he actually give them the full letter that Luther wrote. And he argued that, guys, you're going to need this because you need to learn from Dr. Luther here how to bring consolation to people who are despairing in their sin. You're going to have to listen to this. So I'm going to do the same to you. However, I'm wondering if we should start it now or... Let's start it on the other side of the break. On the other side. All right. Pastor Will Whedon is our guest. It's part eight of our series on the proper distinction between law and gospel. We'll get into that long letter that Luther wrote to Spalatin, encouraging him to what he says, take this sin from your mind. We'll be right back. We need to look at that letter, Luther's long letter to Spalatin. you, You probably can look it up online. Obviously, we'll have to wait till the next time we are together to look at it. But I, I think this is so important because, look, I don't know where I don't know where your weakness is or my weakness is. I don't know where you feel the church's greatest weakness is. I think I think we can look at it. We can try to wrap it up this way: I, I, Is your weakness giving? The gospel, you have a hard time giving the gospel to people who are broken in their sin because you feel like there needs to be a little law. You feel like that they need a little bit of law. Or do you have a harder time giving the law to someone who really needs it? Like, like, where do you find it more? Is it easier for you to offer the gospel to someone? But sometimes you'll offer, you have a problem not that withholding the gospel from someone who's, you know, basically living in their sin and they don't care. You have a hard time saying, no, here's the law. Which is it harder? Is it easier for you to give someone the law or, or, or easier for you to give them the law? I think, I think sometimes in the, in the evangelical church, I've always found it odd the way this works. If you come walking in and you're not, you don't claim to be a Christian, I think the church, in most cases, is, it depends on the sin, but in, in most cases, the church is relatively good going, hey, we don't care what you've committed before you became a Christian. That's It's all under the blood of Christ. You are forgiven. It's gone. It's, it's over. And I think in many cases, you're good. But we're not so good once you become a Christian and then you fall into a certain sin. <laughs> we will not let that go. We, we will say, you are forgiven. This is the church. Christians love to do this. You may be forgiven that your sin may be washed away under the blood of Jesus. But however, 
That doesn't mean there aren't consequences. And then we lay out what the consequences are. It's it's funny that we know what the consequences are, right? And we'll go to some scripture to try to find the consequence, right? We'll try to go, we'll try to find the consequence. I've seen, I've heard people go, well, David, yes, he was forgiven, but, 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 but remember, he wasn't able to build the temple. Okay. But his son was able to build the temple, the serial polygamist and serial adulterer who became an idolater. Oh, and both of them were allowed to write scripture. It's like, hey, see, 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 he, he, David wasn't allowed to build the temple. That means anyone who commits a sin like this, they're not allowed to do. And then we just start making all these rules. They're not allowed to do. I'm like, so a, a person who commits that sin can no longer be a deacon or no longer be a pastor or no longer teach Sunday school. But David was allowed to write inspired scripture. What? Like, like, how do you draw that correlation? Because we feel like, no, 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 no. The gospel is too easy. And so we got to bring law and we got to bring rules and regulations and, and consequences. Now, I'm not, obviously, if you break the law, obviously there's consequences because we're not above the law. We know that. But I'm, and, and I understand that there's some situations where you can say this needs to happen and this, this should happen. Just be very careful when you say this needs to happen, that you're not speaking for God, because in many cases, scripture doesn't it doesn't lay out here are the clear consequences, right? It may say, it may be able to articulate when you're in this situation, when you're in the sin, then there has to be something that has to happen and there may, something needs to occur. But it doesn't say what to do after there is brokenness and humility and repentance. It doesn't say what to do. You would hope the, the blood of Christ is good enough to forgive and that there should be restoring even Galatians talks about restoring one who has fallen and said that restoring means to restore, to set, to, in a sense, set a broken bone and make it useful again. And I think we're, we're really good at offering forgiveness to some, but in others, we're like, you're forgiven. And then we want to throw in the word, but however, comma, not completely, but what we should long for. For anyone who sins, this is at least the idea of the gospel for the broken is what we should hope is to see the brokenness, see the humility, and then offer the gospel and then hope for the restoration and, and, and forgiveness. Sometimes we have a hard time offering the gospel and it's pure form to sinners. Sometimes we have a hard time offering the gospel and it's pure form to ourselves. And then sometimes we don't want to offer the law where we should offer the law to others or to ourselves. See, this is this this goes from the hermeneutical understanding of law and gospel to the practical application of it. And just think about this. Each day, if you really think about this in your own life, in your own personal life, and I think this is true. Each day in your life, you make a decision, right? As far as yourself, how you engage with other people, I think you make a decision as well, but I'm going to just focus on the self part of this. Every day you, you give yourself either law or gospel. You really do. Every day. And, and maybe at certain times a day, one is more prominent than the other. When you get ready to go to bed, you either go to bed feeling the weight of the guilt and shame of your sin of the failures you've committed in thought, word, and deed, and, and desire, feeling, or action, 
you either feel that weight or you go to bed feeling some sense of peace and comfort because you've given yourself the gospel. Sometimes during the day, you may feel yourself broken and haunted over your past sins and you may be giving yourself the law and maybe you should. I think sometimes we giving ourselves the law when we shouldn't. It's something that we have to think about. How do you process? When, when, when is the right time? Look, sometimes we do need the law and we should not feel guilt. Sometimes it's okay that we feel guilty. Sometimes it's good that we're reminded of our failure. Sometimes it's good to feel that, right? Because it breaks us. But at the same time, we are not to remain broken and crushed and destroyed. Well, we then, we come to the medicine. We come to the comfort. We come to the beautiful thing called the gospel. And then we are reminded it's gone. Removed from the far as the east is from the west. It's covered in the blood of Christ. It's no more. Don't be clinging to that guilt because it's gone. I want to, I want to hear this letter. Do you want to hear this letter? I do too, but we're going to have to wait till next time. See that this, this actually works out pretty good because it gives you a reason to tune in to the next episode of the law and gospel. So we can read this letter from Luther. Now, if anyone can find, if anyone can find this letter that Luther wrote, please email me. I haven't had a chance to look this up yet. And I'm not, I don't think I've ever read this letter. I don't think I've ever read the letter. Maybe I have. I don't remember it if I have. And I don't believe, is it mentioned here? I don't think it's mentioned here in the condensed version of God's knowing God. Yes. I don't think it's mentioned here. I'm looking. Um, yeah, I don't think it's mentioned here. Yeah, I'm almost positive it isn't. So, uh, but Walther thought it was important. And remember, he he's giving this lecture right before they go on Christmas break, right before they go on Christmas break. And he wants them to have the letter. He wants them to have the whole letter because he believes at some time point, I, I think, I think you, we need the letter on how to offer consolation to ourselves and how to offer consolation to others. Look, I, I don't know. I don't, I, I can't speak for you, but I, I, I feel I, no matter how good your church looks, look, everybody may be dressed. They wear the, the suit, the tie, the women have a a dress that goes all the way down to the ankles and everyone looks modest and godly and all their kids are well-dressed and well-behaved and everyone sings the hymn and they have a big black leather-bound Bible and everyone looks godly and everyone looks righteous and everyone looks holy. Let me tell you, no, I don't care how godly everyone looks, they are not as godly as they appear. And I think many Christians spend a lot of time feeling the weight of their own failure, their own shame, and they feel broken and they feel convicted. And I think a lot of times they're given law, 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 law. And even when they finally break and confess their sin, they're only given law. They're always told, well, do this and do that. And we, hey, brother, we got to stop that. So we need you to do this and you need to do this and you need to, and they give you 13 different rules and, and we're going to give this and you need an accountability partner and three apps and you need to do this and maybe an electric shock. And anytime you are, okay, maybe that's a little bit of hyperbole, but you get the, and, and, and rarely do you just give the pure, unadulterated gospel. And I think there's other times where we need to actually hear the law and be broken and be crushed under it.
But I think everyone in your church, no matter how godly they all appear, I'm telling you, there's far more sin going on than you want to admit. There's sin of thought, sin of words, sin of desire. There are sins going on and nobody ever, we want to cover it all up with our fig leaves. But sometimes you've got to know when people need to hear the gospel. But again, they don't need to hear the gospel if they're sitting there all comfortable because they feel like they're okay because their sins have been covered up by their fig leaves. Sometimes the fig leaves have to be torn off and they have to be exposed for the sinner they are. Not in a public humiliating way, but I'm just saying through the preaching of the law. Hey, hey, here's what the law says. You don't need to know what they're doing, but the law does and the law will condemn it. And then when they feel the weight, then you come with the gospel. It's the proper distinction between law and gospel. So we need to find this letter that Luther wrote. That, that's, your, that's your research project. Go find it. Read it yourself. Let me know your thoughts. Please, I would love to get your thoughts on the letter. And then, and then we'll hear the letter read in its entirety, hopefully in the next time we are together. In fact, we'll make it a priority that tomorrow, that tomorrow we may start our broadcast day with the letter. I think, I think that could be very interesting. All right, I'll stop right there. You can email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. All right, thanks for listening. Thanks for your emails. Thanks for your encouragement. And thanks for the support that anyone at any point in time has ever given us. We greatly appreciate the, the support of the past. We greatly, very grateful for any support in the present, and we will be grateful for any support in the future. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a wonderful night. God bless.